Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to Mo Forecast, a podcast series where experts from Morrison and Forrester make predictions about enforcement and policy trends in the Biden administration. Today, we'll be discussing U.S. enforcement priorities and trends regarding Latin America. I'm your host, James Kukios, co-head of MoFo's Securities Litigation, Enforcement, and White Collar Practice Group. I'm pleased to be speaking today with Rudy Smithline. Rudy is a partner in our New York office and co-chairs our Latin America practice, as well as our investigations and white collar criminal defense practice. Born and raised in Colombia, Rudy's practice is naturally focused on cross-border work across Latin America in matters related to anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, and sanctions. Rudy, let's start out by talking about how the Trump administration approached Latin America. Thanks, James. I think what we, we really need to have some context around Latin America generally uh, as a policy under the Trump administration is I think some would argue that there really wasn't a policy towards Latin America. I think some would say that he largely saw the region as a source really of unwanted migrants and problems of which he wanted no part. And his view towards the region is best, I think, exemplified by his campaign promise to build, as he said, a great wall. You know, he said a, something along the lines of a great, great wall on our southern border, and he will ma- make Mexico pay for that wall. And I think that campaign speech really set the tone for how the Trump administration was going to approach relationships with Latin America. And, you know, while it was a campaign promise, I think most would agree that there really wasn't much improvement during the tenure of his presidency. With its clear America first strategy, the truth is that Latin America was not of strategic importance to the Trump administration. And as far as policy goes, most of the attention that the region received from the prior administration was really focused on closing off the borders, harsh enforcement against drug trafficking, and threats of imposing economic pain, most intensely focused on places like Venezuela. So sort of either indifferent or somewhat hostile towards Latin America under the Trump administration, what do you think it's going to be like under the Biden administration? I think it's a little too early to tell what the Biden's administration policy towards Latin America will be. But if his past actions and his first months in office are any indication, I think we're going to see a significant shift from his predecessor. I think it's important to remember that as vice president, Biden was responsible for the Obama administration's Latin America policy. You know, during that tenure, I think he traveled to the region about 16 times, and he was heavily focused on building relationships, particularly throughout Central America. And the cornerstone of that was he helped convince Congress to pass in 2015 a $750 million aid package for the region. And in return, leaders in the region committed to enact reform, including anti-corruption initiatives. And so given that prior history and the commitment under the Obama administration, I think what we expect is that Biden and his team will roll out policies that will be as much a repudiation of Trump's hardball approach and a likely attempt to resurrect the Obama area initiatives. For example, the Biden administration will take a broader approach to the immigration issues. And we saw that within the first day or two in Biden's administration with the executive orders that he passed rolling back much of the Trump era policies related to immigration. I think it's important to remember though, that Latin America today has a number of countries facing deep political crises. 
And it's a profoundly different region from the Latin America that was when now President Biden was vice president. And so this will clearly impact how Biden rolls out his policies towards the region. But I think what we're seeing is that there will be a shift towards diplomacy. And the idea is, again, best crystallized by the fact that in his first days in office, one of the things that he did was the halting of the new construction of that great, great wall that President Trump had promised. And I think symbolically and literally shows the Biden's administration commitment to a much more open and diplomatic relationship with the region. Thanks for that overview of U.S. approaches towards Latin America, Rudy. Let's now go into some specific areas of enforcement. And let's begin by anti-corruption. And I think maybe it's important when we talk about anti-corruption enforcement impact in Latin America under either Trump or Biden, we should be looking at it from at least two different perspectives, from the U.S. enforcement perspective and then from domestic enforcement perspective in Latin America itself. So maybe I'll start out with the first the U.S. enforcement side, and you can add to the uh, domestic enforcement side. And if we start with the Trump administration, when Trump was a private citizen, he made some very uh, disparaging remarks about the FCPA. He called it one of the worst laws on the books. He said that it put U.S. businesses at disadvantage. And some people thought that FCPA enforcement would either at least decrease or potentially go away under the Trump administration. We were not among those who thought that. We actually thought that there were structural factors in place that would protect and encourage FCPA enforcement to continue under the Trump administration. And that's, in fact, what happened. In fact, by some measures, FCPA enforcement increased under the Trump administration. Among those structural factors is the fact that the FCPA unit prosecutors, now that there are at least 39 of them, which is a record number, those folks are career prosecutors. They're not political, and so they are really just um, driven by the evidence and the cases that they bring and much less influenced by politics than the president or somebody at that level obviously would be. And there's international cooperation, international treaties, a lot of things in place that really did help to preserve FCPA enforcement under the Trump administration. With respect to Latin America particularly, it was a particularly active time for FCPA enforcement. Just as an example, last year, more than half of the FCPA cases brought by DOJ and SEC involved conduct occurring in Latin America. And one very important thing that happened is right before the Trump administration started, Operation Car Wash in Brazil began. And that was really turned from a domestic law enforcement operation to an international law enforcement operation. And that really sustained a lot of FCPA enforcement throughout the Trump administration. In addition, there were two very long-lasting investigations that also predated Trump involving Ecuador and Venezuela. And those have resulted in a lot of individual prosecutions that continued all through the Trump administration and continues to today. And if we turn to the Biden administration, there's no reason to think that aggressive enforcement of the FCPA would change. Um, Those same structural matters are in place. And there's no reason to think that a Biden administration would have any reason to reverse the trend of FCPA enforcement. It is interesting about what might happen with Latin America in particular when it comes to FCPA enforcement. You know, when DOJ and SEC are looking at FCPA enforcement, they really don't target industries or geographic regions or anything of that nature. They're much more opportunistic where the evidence takes them. And so some of the long-running cases may continue, like Ecuador and Venezuela. 
Rudy, you'll talk about it in a minute, but the uh, Operation Lava Jato or car wash in Brazil um, seems to be running its course in Brazil. And that may mean that there will be a corresponding slowdown in FCP enforcement re regarding Brazil as well. But uh, one very important thing is that there is a dedicated FBI squad based in Miami that's focused on corruption in Latin America. And so again, there are structural uh, factors in place that continue to make the FCPA enforcement generally go forward. But now there's also this FBI squad in Miami that will continue to look at Latin America. So there's no real reason to think that there would be a slowdown in FCPA enforcement in Latin America uh, specifically that should still continue. Rudy, I did mention a little bit about domestic enforcement in Latin America and how that impacts FCPA enforcement. Can you talk a little bit about the domestic enforcement of anti-corruption laws in Latin America? Not surprising, as domestic enforcement in Latin America increased, so did activity for U.S. enforcement. And so, James, you touched, for example, in the Lava Jato investigation in Brazil, which was Brazil-driven investigation, a sprawling investigation, but it was Brazil-driven that ultimately ended up in the coordination of resolutions uh, jointly between Brazil and the United States, such cases as Petrobras and the Odebrecht matter. And I think that driving force of local enforcement really not only highlighted the call for anti-corruption reform in Latin America, but also the coordination with the United States government when it came to enforcing anti-corruption. What we've seen during the years of the Trump administration is that there's been, I don't wanna say a rollback, but certainly a stalling of those anti-corruption efforts in Latin America. Uh, a big part of that as a result of anti-corruption efforts really having been politicized. So investigations such as the Lava Jato in Brazil and by the International Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala essentially stopped as a result of political infighting about the motive behind those investigations. And as a result of real political fights in places like Mexico, what we saw is that anti-corruption efforts in the last few years never even really took off. And so where I see we are right now is at an inflection point in Latin America, whether the efforts of the last few years are threatened to be erased or whether the fight against corruption will continue to be driven locally. And I think where the Biden administration may have an impact on domestic enforcement is really in its efforts to seek to revive the anti-corruption campaign as it was under the Obama administration, for example, in 2014, which is part of what led to the civil demand for change in Brazil and ultimately led to the Lava Jato investigation. We can predict that these efforts on anti-corruption will also focus on the financing of corruption, so including uh, heightened anti-money laundering efforts across the region. And as part of the diplomatic efforts to stabilize a politically charged region, I think one thing that we might expect from the Biden administration is that it may seek commitments to fight corruption from countries in exchange for U.S. monetary aid or political support. And these commitments could lead to increased cooperation along law enforcement. I think one place where we should all be looking towards is the implementation of the recently passed USMCA, the what everyone calls the new NAFTA, among Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Although the USMCA is a legacy Trump policy, it's going to fall in the Biden administration for the implementation of the USMCA, which unlike its predecessor, NAFTA, um, contains a specific chapter on anti-corruption enforcement efforts 
and calls for cooperation on anti-corruption investigations among the three member countries. And I think this gives an opportunity to see whether Mexico and the United States, and of course Canada, will really bring anti-corruption uh, to the forefront in a way that Mexico hasn't seen before. I think generally what we can expect is that if domestic enforcement gains momentum, it will have an impact on US enforcement, just as we saw with Lava Jato, and the idea would be whether history will repeat itself here. Thanks for those thoughts on domestic anti-corruption efforts in Latin America, Rudy. Let's let's turn now to another subject, which is sanctions. Talk a little bit, if you will, about the approach that the Trump administration took towards sanctions towards Latin American countries and what you expect to see in the Biden administration with respect to sanctions. I think sanctions is probably one of the areas where the Trump administration was more forcefully focused when it came to Latin America particularly when you look at the relationships with Cuba, with Nicaragua, and with Venezuela. Um, and you know, we saw this at the very end of his presidency as one of Trump's last official acts was to add Cuba to the list of state-sponsored terrorist nations, placing Cuba in the small company with North Korea, Syria, and Iran. And while it's debatable the effectiveness of those harsh economic policies under the Trump administration, what we did see was an imposition of sanctions as a way to try to usher change really by way of force. And what we expect from the Biden administration is really a major shift in U.S. foreign policy towards Latin America, again, bringing diplomacy over unilateral force. But I think when we talk about the area of sanctions, I don't expect that there will really be much change when it comes to sanctions policy particularly with respect to Venezuela and Nicaragua. For example, even just last month, the Biden administration announced that it will continue to recognize Venezuela's opposition leader as the legitimate president of Venezuela and will not negotiate with President Maduro. Under Biden, there may be a shift to try to more effectively target sanctions and to look at more humanitarian assistance to the country, but we expect the U.S. to continue taking a hard line against Venezuela. And the same is applicable in Nicaragua. When we think about Cuba, on the other hand, that may be in a different position and that may be a different story, as there may be a thawing of relations with Cuba, particularly given the Obama era policies around Cuba. And there are some indications that the Biden administration will want to go back to the policies that Obama had started to foster to closer relationships with Cuba. But whether that happens or not, I think we can expect that the change won't be quick. It will take some time. And I think a part of it will depend on how strong of a position the Biden administration will want to take with respect to human rights. And depending on that stance, I think we'll see how quickly or not there might be a backtracking of the Trump-imposed sanctions on Cuba. It's interesting, in, in some of our earlier episodes, Mo Forecast, uh, when we were talking about sanctions towards China, uh, some of our partners talked about the fact that Trump was much more aggressive towards China, and people didn't expect that to really change under the Biden administration. And, and your points about the Venezuela sanctions are kind of similar. You know, the Trump administration took a much more aggressive sanction stance towards Venezuela, and that may be an area where the Biden and Trump administrations are actually in alignment uh, going forward. So that's interesting. I think also on Venezuela, it's interesting, although we talked earlier about the fact that FCPA enforcement is not political. The fact that there was this longstanding, um, very successful 
FCPA investigation involving Venezuela kind of coincided with the Venezuela sanctions. So very, very interesting overlap, even if uh, motivated by different factors. So Rudy, we talked about anti-corruption. We talked about sanctions. Let's now move to trade. Talk a little bit about uh, the Trump administration's trade policy towards Latin America and how you expect that to change, remain the same or evolve under Biden. The Trump administration used sanctions and trade restrictions as a way to exert force, or at least threaten to do so, over much of Latin America during the four years of, of the presidency. A great example of that is the restriction that is included in the USMCA, restricting Mexico's ability to enter into a free trade agreement with China. What we saw during the Trump administration is that China became Latin America's largest trading partner. And in addition to investing billions into the region, China became ingrained in all aspects across the region, including strengthening military ties, as well as becoming embedded in major infrastructure projects across the region. One of the jokes that often got made um, throughout Latin America during the Trump presidency was that while Trump was busy literally building a wall to close off Latin America from the United States, China had come into the region and was building bridges, building relationships with the region. And so in an effort to try to curtail China's growing influence in the region, the Trump administration did try to place restrictions on Mexico's trade directly with China, as we saw in the USMCA. And what will be interesting to see is how the Biden administration, having inherited the USMCA, will be implementing it. On the one hand, if the Biden administration continues the Trump policies on taking a tough stance on China, James, as you mentioned, with many people believe that he will continue to do so, countries in Latin America could in, in some ways benefit from industries such as manufacturing, moving operations to Latin America, which will be seen as a more business-friendly climate and easier relationships between Latin America and the United States. On the other hand, it also will be interesting to see whether the Biden administration will take a tougher stance, more so than Trump did in, in actually being effective as opposed to threatening, to prevent the growing codependency between China and the Latin America region. And I recognize that these are very complicated issues of geopolitical implication, but companies operating in Latin America with their eye towards China should really be following these developments closely as it could translate into heightened enforcement if there is more attention placed in the regions, both China and Latin America, under the Biden administration. That's great advice. What else can companies be doing or should companies be doing in terms of preparing for the Biden policies towards Latin America? So whether we're talking about anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, sanctions, or enforcement in generally, I think one consistent theme that we've seen over the last few years is the need for companies to be proactive when it comes to compliance in order to help deter, detect, and prevent these issues. Regulators across the world have started to expect companies to have a risk-based compliance program in place. And this was true under the Trump administration and it, we believe that it will continue to be true under the Biden administration. There is no reason to see a rollback of the expectation that companies start implementing compliance programs um, internally. And even in places where we have seen the stalling of anti-corruption efforts from an enforcement perspective, we don't anticipate a similar slide back when it comes to compliance. 
and again, focused on Brazil, I think that that really is a, a crystal example of this, where you have a country that is now reckoning with its anti-corruption efforts in the wake of the fallout from the closing of the Lava Jato investigation. But if you talk to local practitioners and you talk to businessmen within the Brazilian community, there's no expectation that companies will abandon the compliance efforts that have transformed the private sector and as a result have meaningfully impacted the public sector through the compliance reforms that we've seen starting with the introduction of the Clean Companies Act in Brazil. I think it's important to recognize that Latin America today is a dynamic region that's undergoing seismic changes and companies need to stay informed of the shifting trends and potential regulatory pitfalls. This is best exemplified by the constantly evolving landscape of sanctions for businesses working, for example, with ties to Venezuela or Nicaragua. And last, while there seems to be movement towards global standardization of expectations around compliance programs, it's important for companies operating in the region to recognize that Latin America is a vast region with very distinct countries and cultures. And companies need to be sensitive to the different risk profiles presented by each country, the regulatory expectations of each nation, as well as the varying business cultures. Great points, Rudy. Well, this ends our Mo Forecast episode on U.S. enforcement priorities and trends regarding Latin America and the Biden administration. Once again, I'm your host, James Kukios, speaking with Rudy Smithline. If you liked today's episode, please visit the MoFo website and join us for additional installments of the Mo Forecast series, covering predictions for enforcement and policy trends in other areas of the law. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.